Hi guys, welcome back to um, another episode of Verity. Um, our episode today is called Life After Trauma and joining us today we have Reverend Dr. Trevor Adams who will be giving us a little insight into how the mind works, how the body and soul and spirit works when it comes to processing life after trauma. So would you care to introduce yourself? Yeah, thank you very, very much for uh, inviting me onto, on, on, onto this podcast. Um, I am... Reverend Dr. Trevor Adams, as you've introduced. Um, I have been a minister. I have um, set up a charity working within the community around the issues of brokenness um, under the vision Broken Lives Restored. Uh, I used to do lots of workshops for um, women, women and yeah. men in terms of enabling them to recover from some of the, their experiences of trauma and brokenness. Yeah. That's great. So you've done a lot of community work and you've worked with a lot of people that have had like um, various experiences when it comes to trauma. Yes. Um, what I'd like to ask you as we begin is how is, because we have a lot about how the body is affected and how the mind is affected, but mm -hmm. in your perspective and in the experiences that you've had working with these people, how do you think the soul and the spirit is also affected when it works alongside the body and the mind? I think it's important, and it's a good question, I think it's important to recognise that uh, trauma doesn't just simply affect one part of the person. Yeah. Trauma affects the entire person, the, the entire human um, persons. And um, part of the human person is what I know and understand as the soul. Yeah. And that is the person's, their mind, emotion and will. Yeah. Because our mind and emotions and our will are affected by trauma, um, because trauma is uh, a, a violation of the normal course of being human. It, yeah. it breaks the human person. So it then affects the way that a person thinks, it affects the way that a person feels, mm -hmm. and it affects the way that a person sees and understands their world. Mm -hmm. Um, the trauma creates this crisis within the person mm. um, that the person really tries to react to and to survive. Yeah. So because of that, um, the way the person's mind is then shaped, the way the person's emotions is then shaped, mm. the way the person's decisions that a person makes, it's in response to their experience of the trauma. The trauma creates a deep wound. Yeah. And therefore, it impacts um, the human person. That's we were having a conversation before, and you mentioned like the soul part, right? The you you mentioned something about how the soul can be torn into fragments um, yes. when when someone has gone through trauma. Do you mind like explaining a little yeah, bit more about that? Yeah, yeah, because trauma trauma creates uh, that brokenness. It, it creates the pain. Yeah. And in order for an individual to survive, and this tends to be not something that's done consciously, mm -hmm. it tends to be a reaction to the experience of um, trauma. Yeah. And so we understand that a person can disconnect, they can disassociate from, that, from being present mm -hmm. within that experience that they experience mm -hmm. as a way of protecting themselves from the pain. Mm -hmm. Uh, we know that a person can dis disassociate from that um, situation. Mm -hmm. So they become fragmented. Mm -hmm. A part of them becomes hidden. Mm -hmm. Part of them can can move away, can go away. Mm -hmm. 
And so although they may be physically present, part of them is becomes detached. Would that be if into would that turn into like a physical manifestation of how their mind works in terms of like those like for for myself for example, like I'm not aware of whether or not a part of me has gone somewhere, but I know that I I know how to dissociate quite a bit. But when it comes to the phys like is that possible for that to physically manifest? Yes, because because as I said, trauma affects the entire body. Yeah, it, it affects the entire human being. Yeah. Our emotions, our feelings, is connected to our body. Yeah, yeah, what we feel is very very important, mm -hmm. and so trauma creates pain. Mm -hmm. And in order to not to feel the pain, a person chooses not to feel, mm -hmm. to um, to 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 kind of back away from those feelings yeah. that that they have yeah. that is very much linked to their experience of the trauma yeah. and so what surfaces is um the dominant feeling that tends to surface is is one of anger mm -hmm. because of the hurt mm -hmm. how do you, how can they begin to um understand that process of trauma then because when you're going through it, you're not really understanding that it's trauma. Or you're not even understanding what it is that's happening to you mm -hmm. or the effects that it's going to have on you. So how can one begin to understand what it is that they have gone through and how it has affected their mind, body, soul and spirit? Like, how can they begin that process? I think it's becoming aware. I think once a person has experienced trauma, mm -hmm. um, they can sense that something has shifted. They may not fully be able to put their hands on t onto what it is that has shifted. Mm -hmm. They become aware that something has has shifted, mm -hmm. um, and so part of coming alongside of a person is to be able to help them to see that there's been a change in the way that they behave, how they they react to a situation, how they re how they react to to something. Mm -hmm. So whereas before they might have been very very calm. But the way they respond to a situation now, it may be through crying, it may be through shouting, mm -hmm. becoming very, very angry. Mm -hmm. So that change of behavior is often an indication that something is wrong. Yeah. I've worked um, a lot with kids in like, residential homes, and I, you can see that affects like in their behaviors and stuff like that. And I think the word you used earlier was hypervigilance. Mm -hmm. So you can see that a lot of them, they their behavior is very violent or aggressive or it's just not very um, gentle or loving yeah. in a way, should I say. And most of them as well, I think, I don't know, I forgot the word that it's called, but it's like a, a re and it's like reenacting, reenacting yes. um, the very same thing that has happened to them. So, for example, we had, would have one who has been neglected. So in that way, they would neglect themselves or neglect others. Mm -hmm. But then don't feel bad for the way that they're behaving, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. So are you able to give a little bit more insight into that behavior? Part? Yeah, I th and I think it's a good question because adults misunderstand what is actually happening. Yeah. And so adults trying to come alongside of um, children mm -hmm. experience this protective mechanism mm -hmm. that the child is using to protect themselves. Mm -hmm. Adults who are not aware tend to take it personal. But the child is protecting their Isn't world. So. The world is no longer a safe place. There's yeah. a loss of, of innocence. Those who are supposed to protect them uh, somehow haven't been able to, to protect them. Mm -hmm. So the, the self-defense mechanism, the protective mechanism kicks in. Mm -hmm. and, um, and so all the defenses come up. Mm -hmm. um, and that is what 
is, 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 is actually happening. And sometimes the reenactment is a search for resolution. Yeah. So you play back the scene, you play back the action, yeah. because you're trying to resolve a situation. You're trying to give, uh, bring about a different ending mm -hmm. to your experience. Yeah. Um, I was someone that internalized a lot of what happened to me. So my reenactment would be um, in my head. Like, is this a thing where like you can't? Because we we're talking about reacting earlier on, right? Mm -hmm. And I wanted to get to this point where it's like. I can't react, but I can react in my head in terms yeah. of like I've it's um, probably a coping mechanism. I don't know, but it's where I've learned to absorb what's happening to me or what has happened or mm -hmm. what I am going through, act it out in my head, go through the process of it. And then I'm able to either go through the situation in real life or mm -hmm. basically just kind of walk away from it. So, for example, when it came to like when it came to relationships and all that kind of stuff, like. If I wanted to be in a relationship with someone but didn't know how to be in a relationship with them, I'd go through it all in my head. Mm -hmm. And then that way I'd walk away from the relationship knowing that I'd live through it. So yeah. I don't know if that's a weird thing that I do or if no. that's like a natural thing to do when it comes to that. Well, that's actually a very, very creative way of dealing with situation. What it does, it gives you control. Yeah. It puts you in charge. Yeah. Um, because one, one, one of the things that, that um, trauma does it uh, puts you in a situation where where something happens to you mm -hmm. and in a sense you felt a loss mm -hmm. and one of the loss is a loss of control mm -hmm. so there are different ways that we try to regain control and one one of one of the ways is to create that internal world mm -hmm. where you are in charge you create the world you create the scene mm -hmm. you tell the narrative you act out the story mm -hmm. in your head you are in charge of that mm -hmm. And so that gives you that that control, mm. um, because control is so so important where we have experienced trauma. Yeah. Um, and so there's there's this this uh, striving to regain control. Yeah. Over our lives, so that we can control uh, the pain. Would you class like self harming and um, self destruction as a way to gain back control in your own life? Because I've seen, like, I've I know people close to me who self harm, and I tried I tried it once for myself to just mm -hmm. kind of see what it was like, and all that kind of stuff was too painful for me yeah. physically, yeah. so I couldn't really go through it. But I know that for some people, they have said that it's a way to kind of like make them feel grounded, or yeah. you know, give them to basically feel the pain that feeling inside, yeah. to feel it physically, to kind of like match up just so that they can get it out of them. Yeah. But what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's, it's, it can be a way of trying to numb the pain. Yeah. It puts you back into, into control, but it's ultimately a way of trying to numb the pain. It's a way of, of actually coping. Mm -hmm. It isn't that the person is wrong, Mm -hmm. It's the fact that the person is in pain mm -hmm. and they're trying to find a way of addressing this particular pain. Mm -hmm. And sometimes the pain, the external pain, um, becomes uh, stronger mm -hmm. than the internal pain. Mm -hmm. And so the external pain is a way of trying to silence the internal pain. Mm -hmm. Because imagine you experience pain internally. You don't know how to cope with it. You don't know why it is that you're feeling the pain to that extent, mm -hmm. but what you can control is what happens outside. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it comes back to, to that control. You can control as to what happens outside. And so the moment you begin to start to feel the internal pain, mm -hmm. you then 
use an external mechanism mm -hmm. to be able to distract from the internal pain. Okay. Um, if we're to talk about control, um, my healing process is happening with like God, like, you know, Jesus Christ himself. Mm -hmm. So that's who I'm doing, doing my um, healing process with, but not everyone obviously believes in the same thing. But one of the first steps um, you mentioned is to understand that you don't have any control and i think one of the things that i understood was that when it came to god it's i don't have any control whatsoever like mm -hmm. he's the creator he's everything so when it comes to the fear of losing control because control is something that was never presented to us in the first place that people that have been um through trauma or neglect or any type of abuse they know that control is not within them mm -hmm. now for us to go to someone that has been a child a teenager who has gone through um a series of not having control mm -hmm. and then they finally have that freedom how can we now not really turn around and say to them control is not for you you don't have control you don't need control yeah. like how can we take them through that process of realization of understanding that control is not the thing that you need or want in a mm -hmm. way because mm -hmm. that's something that you have to give up at some point if you want your life to kind of steer yeah. in the right path that you wanted to go to like how do you begin that discussion or that conversation yeah, I think it's, it's important to recognize what is actually happening. Yeah. Uh, and also to recognize the fact that when we have been violated, mm -hmm. that actually it's, it's somebody else. Somebody else has taken advantage. Yeah. Somebody else was in control. And um, therefore, what, ha what tends to happen is that we think that by uh, taking back that control it's a way that we deal with the situation yeah. okay that that has already happened mm. but um, we then go into a self-protective mode mm -hmm. where we protect ourselves from from everything and everyone mm -hmm. so we become the prison officer mm -hmm. as well as the prisoner mm -hmm. We lock ourselves in and we lock ourselves from the inside. Mm -hmm. So we then, we want to grow, we want to, <clears throat> excuse me, we want to get away from the pain, mm -hmm. but we find ourselves locked in. Mm -hmm. And we end up in this cycle of pain, pity, pain, How do you pity, break out of that pain, cycle though? It's, pity, pain. It's, it's difficult to break out of that cycle because I feel like I'm trying to break out that cycle now myself. Yeah. Um, where it's like, I know what I should be doing. I yeah. know where I'm meant to be going. I know the plans that I have and stuff like that. But mm -hmm. it's not... I want it, but I'm not willing to push for it, if that makes sense. Not because that I don't want to or anything like that. It's just because like that version of me and that life that mm -hmm. I want to live is not what I'm necessarily used to. Like yeah. I can handle this life where I know that if I relapse, then I'm going to get back up and all that kind of stuff. Like, I can handle the... Right uncontrollable verities up here should i say yeah. but that life over there that's a whole new world like that's a yeah. whole new level of living like yeah. that's a different level of responsibility should i say like i know my responsibility here i yeah. know my res the responsibility of the past i know that you know if i'm if i'm going through a stage of depression all yes. i have to do is just isolate myself and i'll be okay yes. but i can't isolate myself if i go into depression here yes. does that make sense it makes it, it makes a lot of sense yeah. and it's recognizing and if, if if we take depression i mean somebody has explained and defined depression mm -hmm. as very simple principle where you are the jailer mm -hmm. as well 
as the prisoner. Yeah. So you locked you locked yourself in. Yeah. Okay. Um, and don't forget that um, once you lock yourself in, you 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 enter into this cycle. And the question is, do you want change? Do you want to continue to stay in the same, like on the treadmill of being in the same situation? Yeah, but one thing is it's not the same as be, as being willing to mm-hmm. to go through it. Yeah, like I can want something, but I'm not willing to go and get it. Like I want I want to go to the toilet, but I don't want to yes. walk to the toilet. If that yes. makes sense. And this is where the healing begins to come come back because it's not being forced onto you. You have to make that decision. Yeah, you have to make that choice. Do I want to stay where I am, or do I want to to go forward? And um, you're going forward into the unknown, mm-hmm. and that's what makes it scary. Mm-hmm. Um, you're familiar with certain patterns of behavior. You're familiar with that. That's a familiar world. Mm-hmm. But change comes when you step out of your unfamiliar world into the strange world. Mm-hmm. And in fact, what it is, it's often a replay of the trauma that you have yeah. experienced. Mm-hmm. You ask the question, well, how do I break the cycle? You mm-hmm. break the cycle by beginning to go into the pain you begin to go into the pain because it's the pain that drives our behavior it's the pain that drives our behavior Mm -hmm. so by uh, and there's a fear that if 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 i feel this Mm -hmm. feeling it will overwhelm me it will drown me and Mm -hmm. i will not be able to survive Mm -hmm. okay but actually the opposite is 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 true those who feel their feelings are not drowned, right? It's it's when we stuff our feelings, when we stuff our emotions. Yeah. That is that is where the problem is really really created. Yeah. Because our feelings are not bad or good. Our feelings just are. So once we begin to feel our feeling, mm-hmm. we are in the process of beginning to to heal, mm-hmm. because we realize, um, you know, if if you've experienced something pain temporary it's, it's temporary if you decide to hold on to it mm. that's the reason why it's prolonged because you hold on to the pain as opposed to begin to to feel now part of um the the, the going away is moving away from the painful emotion the painful feeling that 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 you feel mm. you move away mm. okay but that's a process of becoming broken. Mm-hmm. Healing means that there's a restoration, there, there, there's a healing. Mm-hmm. There's a, a reconnecting to your body. Mm-hmm. That, that actually, whether it's the good, the bad, the ugly, mm-hmm. I can feel this. It's okay for me to feel this. It's mm-hmm. okay for me to, to, to reconnect. This part of me that was disconnected, it's okay to, to be reconnected. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's actually very good. I had a question in mind to ask you, <laughs> but um, it was something to do with um, yeah. I think being willing, being willing is one thing, and you know, going through the process and everything. There was a Bible verse that I was reading the other day, and it was like, if you're willing, and then it said, and obedient as well, then you eat of the good of the land. Yeah. And I thought the first part, you know, if you're willing, that's the part that I checked myself. I was like, yeah, I'm willing, but mm-hmm. then the obedience part, I think, is what you were talking about, like going through the process of the pain and all that kind of stuff i think the obedience part and the discipline part of um remaining Mm -hmm. or going through it is difficult for a lot of people i was speaking to my friend the other day and she was she said that 
she wants to get better, but peace is very uncomfortable and unfamiliar to her. Chaos yeah. is where she finds her peace. Yeah. And I feel like for, for a lot of me, especially me as well, like chaos is where I find my peace. If I don't have chaos, I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. If I have chaos, like I know exactly what, in, like, and I can see it as well, in, in, even in the very little things that I do, mm-hmm. like I'll be cooking. And mm-hmm. when I'm cooking, I need to have everything everywhere for me right. to know what it is that I'm doing. Right. I need to have like four pots on the stove cooking at the same time. I need right. to finish everything at the same time. Everything has to be done all at the same time right. like that's the only way that i know what i'm doing if i do everything one at a time mm-hmm. i begin to forget or i get irritated and frustrated because why am i taking so long why am i doing everything one at a time yeah. so i was thinking about it as well and it's kind of true because like when god first introduced me to his peace and everything i thought you're joking like yeah. he, this is too quiet like yeah. there's not a single there's not a single voice in my head talking should i say yeah. that was, but i'm not crazy like it's like yeah. there's not thoughts running wild there's no intrusive thoughts there's just still and quietness and just the peace and the presence of god and i'm just like no that's not right like i need to have at least a thought that's telling me to go jump off a bridge or tell me to like just a harmful thought basically i need to have something like i need to keep my brain going yes but then it's impossible to do that like it's very uncomfortable to be in that place at first if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so i do understand that like you know you have to go through and everything but then it's like once you go through that stage you get kind of like peace like Mm -hmm. once you go through the Mm -hmm. stage of pain you find peace and i feel like that peace is much more scary and uncomfortable than the pain that you enjoy if that makes sense makes makes a, a lot of sense this is the reason why people may be willing yeah. But not ready. Yeah. There's a difference between being willing and being ready. Yeah. And um there are certain certain coping skills we develop. So the example of, of you cooking mm. and having everything around. Mm-hmm. There's nothing wrong with that until it becomes unless it, it becomes a problem. Mm-hmm. I think that may be a fantastic way of, of, of being able to cope. Mm-hmm. Um the stillness is uh, something that's very, very, something very, very different. Mm -hmm. Because you could be always on the go, Mm -hmm. always seeking to do, always seeking to achieve, always seeking to outdo yourself. Mm -hmm. But there comes a point whereby you cannot continue to do that without having uh, an effect on the body. Mm -hmm. Right? Mm -hmm. So... um, and that is where the peace is promised to us, mm-hmm. that actually be still. Because it's only when, when we are still that we can begin to see what is actually happening mm-hmm. in the stillness. Mm-hmm. Um, and keeping ourselves busy, keeping ourselves occupied mm-hmm. is a way of moving away from the quietness and the stillness. Because in the quietness and still, stillness is when memories come oh, back, yeah. where there's an intrusion. Mm-hmm. Because with um, trauma, there's always the, the always the the intrusion, mm-hmm. or we see it as an intrusion. Mm-hmm. Whereas actually, it's 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 part of our part of our life. Saying here is an unresolved issue mm-hmm. that needs to be resolved. Mm-hmm. But the more we keep ourselves busy, it's the more that it stops us from getting to the unresolved issues. Yeah. Yeah. That's great because it ties into the renewal of the mind. What uh-huh. I wanted to ask you: uh-huh. um, breaking out of the um, victim mentality and um, 
retraining yourself in new habits so um my coping mechanisms was things like um drinking going out keeping myself busy like you said like distracting myself in everything that i could possibly get my hands on and then i realized that i also had a pattern where it's like um I'd be very, very obsessed with something, but it would only last for like a few weeks or a month and then I'd get very bored and then I'd have to be obsessed with something else, basically. Yeah. And I realized that because of that, I couldn't finish anything that I started. Mm -hmm. So it was always like I'd start, like even now, like I'm, I started painting, but I haven't finished painting at right. all. I started a cooking page, but I've stopped that midway through. I started a hair business. I've stopped that halfway through. Mm -hmm. So there's like, I have so many creative and very big ideas that, could um change my life in many ways mm -hmm. but motivation keeping up that motivation keeping up you know the upbeat of you know what i've got a vision let me stick to it is very very low mm -hmm. and a lot of people that have gone through trauma they get diagnosed with like hdsd or autism and stuff like that basically and i kind of felt like this is why I sometimes don't like the school system because yeah, I've yeah. tried to get myself tested so many times, but right. they always failed me. But yeah, I'm having the same symptoms as people that have been diagnosed with yeah. autism and HDSD. Mm -hmm. But I realized that with many people that have gone through um, trauma of any kind, they usually come like HDSD or autism attached to them as well. Mm -hmm. Do you think that's a part that kind of plays into the effects of trauma? Yes, it does. And, and it actually ties into what you had said before. Mm. What does it mean to have a life where there's peace? Mm -hmm. Um, because you may be very, very much living off the adrenaline. Mm -hmm. So you never complete something, mm -hmm. because if you complete the, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you lose the adrenaline of just simply starting one thing and then starting the next thing and then starting the next thing. So you are running after the adrenaline yeah. as opposed to be able to complete. Yeah. So whenever you come to near to completing something, you'll always sabotage. Mm -hmm. So you never complete mm -hmm. because that fear of this life of peace, mm. what would it be like? Mm. I'm used to this kind of chaotic lifestyle mm. um, where the adrenaline is pumping, where lots and lots of things is, is, actually, is actually happening, mm. where there's lots and lots of noise. Mm. What would a silent mean? And, and would the silent then begin to start to allow... Uh, different thoughts and different voices to deal with my pain mm. would, would would the silence allow that to, to actually happen and so um, because of this kind of busyness because of this hyper vigilance uh, lots of people have been mm. um, perhaps been diagnosed as um, ADHD because of your, your attention mm. so so, so this is so there's a similarity yeah. that is there yeah <laughs> Yeah. how does it how can one begin to retrain the mind then because like i've tried so many times to focus like focusing is very very difficult for mm. me like i cannot defocus i can't focus on anything procrastination is generally my best friend so how can someone begin to to retrain their mind so it's not in that constant state of pick and drop like pick and dropping thoughts or pick and dropping ideas like how can they just spend one time fixating on something mm -hmm. without having to use like HDHD pills or medication or or basically drugs or anything like that? Like how can, you know? That's a very, very good question in terms of coming around to, to focus. Mm -hmm. I think it's important to recognize that you are focused on whatever you want to focus. Mm -hmm. You're focused on protecting yourself mm -hmm. from the pain. Mm -hmm. Focus on keeping yourself busy. Yeah. So there's So there is a already a focus so there's something that you're trying to run away from yes 
you're focusing on running running away. That's funny you say that because my pastor used to say the same thing about me, yeah. which is that I, I I run away a lot, but I always come back. Like I always genuinely come back. But I'm tired of running. If that makes sense, whether it's mentally mentally or physically or whatever, like I don't want to keep running anymore. Yes. Like I now like maybe wrong, but in my in my mind and in my head, I feel like I'm at the last stage of my healing process where. Mm-hmm. I genuinely don't want to keep running anymore. Like, mm-hmm. I don't want to keep relapsing or going back to the same thing, especially when I know that I don't have an excuse. Like, one thing that my... And this is why I started Verity as well for the people that genuinely don't have an excuse because mm-hmm. my friend, she has, like, you know, they have doctors and pills and medications. They've got the receipts, you know, to say right. that, yes, I have this and this and this going on. Yeah. For people like me who have been missed or who haven't um, even tried to go through the education system or the government system to get diagnosed or anything like that we only have our word if that makes sense like we only have our experiences and our words so if we try to run away Mm -hmm. there's nothing to say that oh yeah there's a valid reason as to why she's running away if that makes sense like Mm -hmm. if you haven't had your trauma noted down somewhere to do with like the social services or anything like that you have no physical evidence to say that this is what you went through you only have your own mind so when it comes to even like running away from god and everything like that or giving god an excuse i have no excuse to give god as to why i'm not behaving or acting the way i should be acting like i even had this conversation with my friend the other day and i was like i can't keep blaming the devil for everything because Yes, he comes to kill, steal, and destroy, but a lot of it comes down to me. It comes down yes. to my choice about yes. whether or not I want to run. Like, running away is a choice. Yes. And whether or not I don't know what I'm running away from, mm-hmm. I don't have a valid excuse, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. to keep running away. So I think the question is, like, how can I not really take away the blame for myself because I feel like that's a lot of pressure, mm-hmm. <laughs> but, like, how can I not distract myself from what it is that I'm subconsciously running away from, if that makes sense. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. I think I think it's important to recognize, one, what are you running away from and who are you running away from and where are you running? I don't know. Right, because, because wherever you're running to, you'll always end up back at, at you i know and right? I, I know physically yeah. know that i've right. tried to run away to different countries germany all them other countries i've always ended up back in the same place which is i need to figure out who i am i need to figure out where i'm going it always leads me back to the same place basically right. Right. so i even had the dream about this other day where it's like i was running through so many different doors but i kept ending up at the same door so yes. i know that it's a pattern within me but i yes. don't know exactly what it is that I'm running away from. I don't know if it's the calling that I have. I don't know if it's the pain that I have. I don't know exactly what, or the fear that I have as well. I don't know exactly what it is, but I just know that running is just automatic. Like whenever I'm faced with something difficult, I have to distract myself from it, basically, until it's the last second. I can only deal with it at the last second. Yes. Yeah. When when your adrenaline... Yeah, it's high, yeah. It's high. Yeah, like like now I have like... um, seven assignments that are due in on the 5th of august basically friday mm-hmm. i will spend wednesday thursday and friday afternoon doing them and they will all be done but yeah. all of this time that i have now i can't i can't i can't do it yeah, yeah. and and it's 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 recognizing that that actually remember when we talk about the trauma at the beginning yeah. that there is a there's a there's a part of you that goes away yeah right because um the part of you goes away because this part here is the part that, that has experienced the pain, that's experienced um, the trauma, the difficulty, the shame. Yeah. So this part goes away. Yeah. Okay. And we keep on running. Yeah. 
um, instead of allowing this part to reconnect with us. Are you? This is where there's the there is there is the the restoration, mm -hmm. the healing comes when when this the wholeness comes. I used to always think there's this thing that people say when it comes to um, sex, right? That when you have sex with someone, they're taking a bit of your soul away from you. Mm -hmm. When it comes to rape and molestation and stuff like that, they're doing it forcefully upon you, right? Mm -hmm. So if we're to say that a part of my soul was taken away and stuff like that, I don't think that's really a part that I want to come back in in a form because I used to, I, that's something familiar that I heard you say, which is um I can't remember what you just when that part that I want to come back. Mm -hmm. I don't think I. I don't think I w I'm ready or want that part to come back, if that makes sense. Yeah. That yeah. when it comes to things like soul ties and everything like that, mm -hmm. I understand soul ties and I understand people taking fragments of your soul when you go, when you have like sex and all that kind of stuff. But yes, that's it. Sorry, that's a part of me that I felt like was stolen. Right. And for a very long time, mm -hmm. I wanted to get it back. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I'll, I don't think I'd want to anymore. I don't think I'm at that place now where I, I even want to go through that process of taking that part of me back that was stolen. Mm -hmm. Like if something's taken away from me, keep it. I don't want it anymore, especially now that I've managed to live for so long without it. Like even now as I'm, sp I'm, I'm speaking to you, I'm thinking about my dad and how he hasn't even been a part of my life anymore yeah. and how I've always wanted him back in my life. But now that I'm even talking about it, I don't even think I want him back in my life. Mm -hmm. And someone, and my mom said something interesting to me. She was like, what's the point of him coming back now when you've gone through life, when you've gone through everything? Like what's his role? as a father anymore mm -hmm. and not even that as well but God has now not really replaced himself but God has shown me that he is my father he's the one that I rely on mm -hmm. so all of my life that's who I've been relying on so to have my dad back in my life what sense would that make to have that soul pop that soul that was taken or stolen away from me back in my life what sense would that make it, the sense it would make is um, until that what that what has been stolen because um, we don't steal anything that isn't of value. A thief doesn't steal anything that isn't of value. A thief, a thief would always steal something that is of value. So to have something of value taken away from you, the, the purpose is, is to be able to re restore, return that to the rightful owner. Okay? Yeah. Um, so, so that you are able to be whole. And you're able to experience that wholeness. That can that, I not be whole without it, though? Um, can you be whole without it? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Like I'm coping very well. I'm managing very well. Right. But all the things that we've said, the running away, um, the not completing, because the restoration of that part of you may well be the piece that you need to complete. Otherwise, you will get so far and then sabotage, so far and, and, and sabotage, as opposed to, actually, what I'm running from is this part of me that I feel ashamed about, this part of me that, 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 that I just don't want to connect with because I feel ashamed. But that, that's, that's part of, that's you. That's part, that, that part is you. And to be able to restore that part of you, to be able to accept that this is part of me that was hurt, this is part of me that was broken, but that's me and it's okay. That's part of my life, that's part of my journey. It's okay. I can receive that restoration 
and in, in a sense from a biblical um, viewpoint it's the brokenness it's out of the pain out of the loss comes a new life mm. comes restoration the, the, the entire act of redemption is to bring back yeah it's it's, it's to restore it's, it's to heal and over the years we have worked with people whose life have been broken it's that bit is that fear of being reconnected with this part of me because this part of me is is where all the pain is this part of me is where I've, I've kept to 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 one side but you will continue to run until this part of you is here and this reason why I asked the question well where are you running to who are you running from oh, forget about that now <laughs> right right <laughs> right and it's been able to know how do I embrace this part of of me this very very important part of me your father's part of your identity part of of uh, the fact that he wasn't there in your life that's not your your problem that's not you didn't create that that's 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 an issue that he created but it's become my responsibility to deal with it the healing becomes your responsibility yeah. your your wholeness becomes your responsibility yeah because you're you, you are fragmented when a part when when you're pushing this part of of your way because this part of you is the one that has experienced that pain mm. but then if you don't have access to the person or the to, or to the people that cuz he cuz forgiveness or forgiving people is not just going to come like you're not always going to have the people that you need to forgive around you or you're not always going to have the people that you want to reconnect with around you for example they could either die or live in different cities you don't even know who or where they are mm -hmm. how can then we begin to deal with that part according without having that missing puzzle there cuz for example I my mom already told me that it's going to be very disrespectful to her if I even try to get into contact with my dad. So I respect yes. her wishes. Mm -hmm. So now I'm having to deal with that side of me, with that, that side of me even being there. So that means I'm having to heal without having to hear his explanation or reasons or excuses yes. as to why he wasn't there. And that's for a lot of um, black um, kids within the community who either don't grow up with it with their dad or they don't have the other part of the parent there, basically. Mm -hmm. How can they begin to go to after becoming aware of it, how can they now deal with um, what it is that they're going through without having that person there to give them all the excuses and reasons so that they have something yeah. to at least go on? Well, I think the important thing to, in all that you've said, is that your mum's pain is um, blocking you for, from healing. Yeah. Because your mum still has, from what, what you've said, your mum still has got her pain mm -hmm. with regards to your dad. Your relationship with your dad is very, very different. Mm -hmm. What you're asking for is, 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 is to be able to get questions answered, mm -hmm. is to be able to bring closure to your life. Your mom hasn't, hasn't been able to um, find that closure with her relationship with your father. Mm -hmm. And it's very, very different to your relationship with your dad. Mm -hmm. um, and so it is that um, when we talk about forgiveness, we can't begin to really um, look at forgiveness until we look at the damage, mm -hmm. the pain, that the brokenness that it has actually caused, mm -hmm. which is this part, this part here. We can't begin to move towards forgiveness and healing until we recognize that, that actually this has broken me in this particular way. And, um, and it's not really for your mom, it's not really for your dad. Mm -hmm. Primarily, it primarily is for you. Mm -hmm. 
um, for you to be able to get to the place where you are able to heal and to make um, sense. Mm -hmm. It doesn't m matter. Um, a part of part a part of you is your dad. Yeah. Like it or not, a part of you is your dad. Yeah. You deny your father. You deny a part of you. Mm -hmm. Your um, talent, your gifts, your ability, your genes. Mm -hmm. It's 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 part of you. Mm -hmm. And um, if I can be able to share my own experience, you know, where where I went on to that journey in terms of healing my relationship with my father the important thing that i re recognize was the fact that um i have inherited some very very important things from my dad mm -hmm. that if i deny i deny myself mm -hmm. and so in order for me to to move to a place of wholeness i need to embrace that mm -hmm. that actually um i i didn't god didn't give me two perfect parents did you give him credit though Yes, I, I, I recognized the I recognized the pain yeah. and I um, communicated the pain that I had that my dad had caused. Mm -hmm. But I also gave him the credit for the, the, the gifts that has been passed down to me, the skills that has been passed down to me, Why? the knowledge. Sorry? Why? Because to deny that in my father is to deny it in myself. No. Not to deny what you have, but why give him credit for something that he wasn't even a part of? Well, he was a part of it because because he has contributed to to me. Yeah, he's because because I um, came through my mum and dad. Mm -hmm. God gave me my parents. Mm -hmm. Didn't give me perfect parents. He gave me but there must be something about me that God wanted. That would be a combination between my mum and dad. Mm -hmm. You're a combination, your mum and dad. I'm mm -hmm. a combination of my mum and dad. Mm -hmm. There was something that quality that my, my dad had, my mum has, that I needed to have those qualities mm -hmm. in order to be a gift to others. Thank you for that. Um, the last question that I do have for you mm -hmm. is um, you work a lot with the communities and the leaders of the community. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to ask you, do the authorities recognize that um, there is internal work needed um, in young people? And if not, how can we help them to recognize that there is internal work that needs to be done within young people? I think they, they recognize that there is internal work that needs to be done, hence the reason why they have uh, services like um, CAMH, Children Mental Health Services. Mm -hmm. But I don't think that they really know how to bring about some of the changes that you are uh, seeking to bring about or some of the changes that, that, that I have brought about. Mm -hmm. There's a big gap there mm -hmm. in terms of how do we come alongside children and young people based on, the, based on, on our own lived experiences mm -hmm. and the research and the studies that we've done and the work that we've done within the community. There's a big gap. Yeah, and what you are doing is absolutely uh, tremendous. It's, it's amazing. It's, it, it, it's giving hope to a lot of young people out there Thank you. Um, they just need to be able to to know the tools that you are seeking to bring so once we are able to equip the authorities in actually um in recognizing how to deal with young people and the internal how can authorities help young people in recognizing that they need to go through um a healing stage or they yeah they need to go through a healing stage or they might need one based on the circumstances and stuff like that i think it's by you promoting the work that you are doing mm -hmm. 
um, and uh, perhaps running programs for the local authority yeah. and other agencies so that they know there, there is, there is a, a massive gap mm -hmm. because your work uh, addresses a need that at the moment different agencies aren't really addressing because they just, they just don't know how to. Mm -hmm. And hence reason when it comes to children and young people, agencies like CAMH, I've got a long, 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 long waiting list, yeah. or um, the, the, the intervention is very, very short term. Mm -hmm. Lots of the work that is needed within a community mm. has to be very, very long term. Yeah, it has to be, yeah, it takes a long term. Um, how can we shift um, the focus from the external to the internal side of a young person? And what I mean by that is that um, I feel like, Lately, we're focusing more on the chemicals of the brain and keeping them balanced and all that kind of stuff and, you know, keeping the dopamine levels this way and that way. Yeah. So we're focusing a lot on trying to regulate the emotions and the thoughts of young people. But what is not being um, touched upon is like the spirit and the heart and the way it's actually feeling. So how can we shift that focus so that they're not just being... Um, given just pills to just kind of like be stationary but to actually focus on going through the pain process like how we were speaking about just now so how can we shift that focus again it comes back down to awareness to be able to show the agencies local authorities that examples of alternative ways mm. of working with uh, children and young people yeah. um, the emphasis on on the medication is actually linked to behavior. Mm -hmm. So a child in, in, in school misbehaving, mm -hmm. what they're trying to do is to stop the challenging behavior yeah. as opposed to recognizing what, what, what is the roots me. behind it. Uh, medication is, 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 is a very cheap way of trying to deal with the situation. Yeah. For a child to have therapy and to have therapy long term, it will have a better impact, but it costs it costs a lot, yeah. but I think what what is possible is for community uh, setup whereby um, the, that support to that uh, that child, that young person, mm -hmm. is given within the community on a long term basis. And this is where some of the churches and faith organisations mm -hmm. um, can come and play a role, mm -hmm. uh, providing they've gone through all of the different um, child safeguarding checks and things yeah, like that. Of all right, thank you so much for joining us today. You're and welcome. Thank you for coming, and thank you guys for watching Verity. <laughs>